welcome to Leah and Alana watch the X-Files. Leah's seen it, Alana hasn't. And that's all you need to know. We are talking about episode three today, but before we talk about episode three, I just want to set the scene for everyone. It is 3 p.m. and Leah is drinking a White Claw. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alana. Um, You're welcome. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. Um, you know what? I think that everybody at this point understands that um, time doesn't exist and uh, it's all just been a construct. So when the mood strikes, you just, you just do what feels right. And, and I would also argue that that White Claw is uh, the chosen afternoon beverage. Yeah, I would say that seems like within their branding that they would like to be known as that. Yeah, they're like, this is for day drinking. <laughs> they won't say it like that because like that's maybe a questionable way to brand things but I don't know mimosas is like that's for morning drinking yeah and white claw is for the days when you are not going outside you wake up at 2 p.m you roll out of bed and you're like you know what this day is already over let me yeah. have a white claw <laughs> this is it which is exactly how my day went today uh, I wish that they would sponsor us. Is that how, like, sponsoring works, is if we just, just talk about it enough that then, like, they'll know about it, and then they give us money? Did I? Maybe, maybe. I wasn't I hope a marketing so. major. <laughs> I don't know if we're being complimentary enough for them to want to give us money oh, for how we've talked about them, but maybe. I, everything I said was with love uh, let me make that clear and we also maybe gave them a new marketing campaign yeah i do think they should try to white cloth for your day drinking needs mm -hmm. yeah well i'll keep working on it guys don't even worry i'm gonna workshop this it's gonna They're be gonna great. sponsor We're gonna get you feedback. specifically just <laughs> you me i'm gonna drink white claws throughout all 11 seasons of this until they sponsor me. Yeah. It's going to happen for us uh, eventually. We have a long time to make it happen, and it's going to happen. Yeah. And I will not rest until that day comes. Okay. Talking about the X-Files, mm. I before we, again, before we get into episode three, I want to, well, first of all, start off, as always, by congratulating us. Congrats to you, Leah. Episode three, we're doing it. Alana, I cannot express enough how proud of you I am. Oh, thank you. That feels really good to hear. Um, yeah, but <laughs> we don't hear that enough, do we? No, not That's enough. why we do this, right? It's just validation, but, like, mostly from each other. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, we're trying to get it from the outside world, but if they yeah. won't give it to us, then we'll just have to yeah. give it to we're each like other. We're, like, begging, but we're at the same time, like, listen, we're not desperate so like if you're not gonna give it then like we Fine. have it we yeah. have it and that's that's all we need yeah we're giving it to each other um but before we actually start talking about this episode I wanted to touch on something that we talked about in the first episode which is Gillian Anderson's um both British and American accents yeah. do you want to just like recap what you told us all Absolutely. about that. Um, so I guess to put it simply, 
I think that Jillian Anderson looks different based on the accent she's using. Because as we know, in the X-Files, she is American, Scully's American. It wouldn't make sense if Scully started speaking in a British accent. Um, it wouldn't look right. But if you watch anything, most anything, I guess, besides the revival of this show that Jillian is in now, she's British. She does interviews and she's British. Um, and I firmly believe that her face shape appears different depending on her accent. And that's really all I have to say on the matter. Okay, so your big thing here is that her face changes, <laughs> whether she's talking yeah. in an American accent or a British accent, which this, I understand, that's a, that's, a, that's a pretty wild theory. But I think that my <laughs> takeaway here is that Gillian Anderson, in her real personal life, talks in both an American and British accent. Yes. Which I view as abnormal. I would, yeah, I would, I can't think of someone else that does this. Me neither. So I There probably into... <laughs> is, but I don't know them. Right. And I, like, uh, not to say anything controversial, but for most people, I feel like if you're switching in your real life between an American accent and a British accent, you're maybe not mentally super well, I would say. <laughs> I mean, I didn't, I didn't think you were going to, that's what you were going to say. If I right now started talking in a British accent yeah. and just acted like it was normal, would you think I was okay? No. Yeah. No, I wouldn't. But I, so I looked into this a bit more and apparently this is a big question people have about Gillian Anderson. A okay. lot of people have noticed that she does this in interviews. She switches between American and British. And so I looked it up. And it does explain it on her Wikipedia, um, which I will read a part of right now. And do which, we trust the Wikipedia? I mean... It feels, it feels true. I don't know. I'll just read it and then <laughs> okay. see what you think. We'll, we will decide. <laughs> yeah. So it says, Anderson is bi-dialectical. With her English accent and background, she was mocked and felt out of place as a teenager in the American Midwest and soon oh adopted a Midwestern accent. To this day, she easily shifts between her American and English accents. So this is a real thing, like being bi-dialectical. I don't know if I'm pronouncing <laughs> that right. But... See, that immediately seems like a made-up word to me. And, and that might just be that I've never heard it. And so I assume it doesn't exist. But it, it does, the definition has a Wikipedia page um, okay, so of it's, its own. It's real. But the only thing the Wikipedia page says is a sentence that <laughs> says natively using or capable of using two dialects of a language. Okay. All right. I mean, I believe it's a thing. I just think that that word is made up. I think, yeah, the whole concept seems kind of made up to me. Um, because, you know, she's, when she wakes up every day, she's making a choice <laughs> whether to talk. <laughs> it's not something that's just she's doing fluidly and she has no control over it. She's choosing to, to go with both in her personal life. Okay, so 
while you have her Wikipedia up, was she born in America or in England? Let me go back to it. Um, she was born, she was born in Chicago, but then soon after her birth, her parents moved to Puerto Rico for 15 months and then, and then to London. So they lived okay. in London until she was 11 and then they moved to Michigan. Okay. So she had like one of those cute, tiny child British accents because that's probably where she learned to talk. Yes. Were her parents British? <laughs> I, need to, I need a full biography, I guess. It's unclear. It just says that she is of English, German, and Irish ancestry. But she was born in Chicago. So her parents were living in Chicago when she was born. Right. So we might never know the truth. I just feel like you would probably pick up how your parents talk. I mean, obviously, I'm sure she went to school and heard other children talk and that, you know, influenced as well. But I think that would play a role if her parents were British or American. Yeah. Maybe I they do so. the same thing. Maybe this is like runs in the Anderson family. Yeah, that wouldn't surprise me. I think that would make a lot more sense to me if that were the case. I think I'm also just partly envious that I only have this voice. Yeah. I well, don't if, I don't if, have an alternate <laughs> British persona that I can wake up one day and just try on. I think what this I proves feel. I think what this proves is that if you wanted one, you could have one. You just have to commit to it. I think it's just probably I guess because her British accent is is great. It's not like when an American person tries to do a British accent, which I will not do because I'm not ready to embarrass myself to that level yet. But when I do one, it's it doesn't sound nice. But I, I feel like if she, I don't know where she resides presently or has for most of her adult life, but like, I feel like if she is living in England and that's what she's surrounded with, I guess it would make sense for her to easily slip into wherever she is. Because I will say, it doesn't happen out loud, but if I have visited another country or just have watched a lot of TV in um that's like British or Irish like or Australian I start to think (laughs) in an accent and I can't do it out loud but my my brain does start to like adapt and like change to take on that um like dialect so I guess if you are able to speak in that accent, it might be easier for it to just start start happening and changing. Yeah, I I also that also <laughs> happens like to this, me. Okay, I was sometimes like, you're <laughs> you're like that's insane. <laughs> <laughs> no, I relate to that a little bit. Um, maybe not a lot, but I I I have noticed it if I'm like watching something a lot with like people talking in a southern accent I do kind of start to think a bit in like a southern drawl so I guess I understand a bit okay Okay. we should probably actually start talking about episode three now I'm like oh I've never seen it (laughs) episode three titled squeeze is our first episode so far not about aliens 
So that's exciting. This is our first yeah. non-alien episode. Um, yeah. Up until now, I thought maybe every episode was going to be about aliens, but it's not. Alana really has no clue um, what's what's coming. The the variety that we are uh, going to experience. It is incredible how um, they kept this up for so long. And I I mean I this is a lot of this you can find a lot of backing for like these are real theories and a lot of real folklore but they did a a lot of research I think is there for this uh, is there real folklore (laughs) in this episode specifically um not I don't think in this one um but this okay but this one is I don't want to say that this guy is an alien but it is partially linked it is well okay so i want to i'll i'll read a note that i have that is where i'm getting that from um and i'll have to go back because there's a lot of other things i want to say before this but at one point when the other agent colton who is an asshole um (laughs) just i'll preface that is like talking to Mulder and Scully about um the uh like murder and is like does this look like the work of little green men and (laughs) Mulder is like well they're gray and like that's his first thing but the thing is that they're gray because they have a lack of iron Uh, (laughs) and you know in the reticulum Mm mm-hmm the reticulum and, galaxy, I believe, yeah, or yeah, something I, I guess. like that. But so the murderer, um, why can't I think of his name? It's a tombs. It's a spooky name. <laughs> um, just like name him graveyard. Just, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> this is coffin. Like <laughs> this show is not um, subtle. I will say <laughs> it's not. But he steals the livers of the people that he murders. Yes, he does. To potentially have to, like, revive and revitalize himself. Um, And therefore, he looks like a human. So I don't know that he's necessarily alien in the broader context, but that's the connection that I got from it, is that, like, he's maybe connected to that somehow, and that's why he's stealing these livers, because that's a pretty weird yeah. choice to make as a I mean serial killers have done a lot of weird shit I I'll say that but yeah well he's definitely not straight up human and I guess just to no. like recap this episode quickly yeah. what's happening is that there is a murderer who appears to strike every 30 years and every yes. 30 years he kills five people and takes their livers and this is the 30 year, like, he has returned. It's yeah. been 30 years, and he's back. Also, i just like to note really quick that around sometime in this decade would be, or did we just miss it? It would be, it would be, like, now. It w- well, if this, they, if this so were to happen again. No, I wrote this down um, because they mentioned the year exactly, and because this happened in 1993, the year would be 2023. So we're coming up. We're coming up on the time. People, 
people think that this is a rough year. You guys. Just wait till this guy comes back and steals Two five livers. Back. Yeah, for five livers. I want to take just a moment um, before we go any further and congratulate myself mm. because I watched this episode only one time, which is oh very God. different from the other two episodes. And I feel like I understood it. Like, I, I get this episode. I am shocked to hear this. And I am glad to know that your black mold poisoning is uh, reducing because <laughs> otherwise... Yeah. I think there would be cause for concern. Yeah. Um, that is a great accomplishment. Um, it's a great episode. It's pretty good. I, I enjoyed this episode. I thought it was pretty spooky. Um, and maybe it's just specifically the alien episodes that I'm not going to understand. Oh, boy. <laughs> the second we get into, like, the overall mythology that occurs within the realm of the X-Files, I'm afraid we're just going to lose you. But maybe by that point, you'll, like, you're just getting into this, like, mindset. You kind of have to adapt and probably change your whole way of living. Yeah, so I really got to just... mind meld with Mulder. I, I really got to understand his logic That's and then I'll be fine. <laughs> I, like, a couple seasons in, you're just going to be, like, citing the lines with him, even though you've never seen it. <laughs> Probably, yeah. I'm just going to be morphing into him. I hope so. Me too. I would enjoy that. This episode, I, I, I personally, I would like to take a moment to uh, go back to the fact that this guy, Colton, is such a dick. Um, this is a big part of this episode for me. I don't know if, if you had similar feelings. Yeah, he definitely is. What I thought about this episode and about him specifically was that him coming back into Scully's life um, and again, this is not explicit. They don't explicitly say this is what happens, but it very much has the feel of like an ex-boyfriend returning and being angry about their ex-girlfriend having moved on. Like he, he feels very jealous of her relationship with Mulder. I agree. I would almost go as far as to say they never even dated, but like he really wanted to. Mm -hmm. And so this is just like the last straw. He's like, how could she be like this? Yeah. But yeah, just from their very first lunch, he immediately just attacks Mulder. He's very jealous. He's very He's insecure. Very jealous. And Scully, I will say right off the bat, is like, you're wrong. Mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Defending her man. Yeah. Through and through. And good for her because there are moments where you're like I don't know is Scully even on board with everything that's happening but like you know that you know she is there is a part in this episode where Mulder kind of addresses that um directly because he's kind of talking about what assholes the other FBI agents are and he's talking to her and he's like you know even though you don't always agree with me or believe what I'm saying you're at least on board for the journey which is a yeah. nice it it's a nice thing to say to her. She is on board for the journey, even yes. when she's like, this guy is crazy. Yeah, like she's not, she's not leaving. She's gonna see it through. And I don't think he's probably experienced that in a long time. Yeah, because in this episode, she gets an offer to be able to leave. This guy, Colton, is like, I can get you out of this. And she says no. I love when he refers to her as Mrs. Spooky. <laughs> yes. It's one of my... He's like, you won't have to be Mrs. Spooky anymore. And she's like, 
you know what? That sounds really nice. I actually think that I, I would like to be Mrs. Spooky from mm-hmm. now and probably for the rest of my life. I would love to be Mrs. Spooky, personally. I mean, you can be. Maybe maybe not in direct relation to Mulder, but just in general. <laughs> I can change my name if I want yes, to. You can um, do that. No first name, though. Well, I would have to change, because I'm not married, I would have to change my first name to Mrs. if I wanted right. to be truly Mrs. Spooky. That's perfect. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about the guy who plays this murderer, because he was very scary, very creepy, and I think he was cast in this role well, because I don't know if you know who this guy is in real life. I do not. His name is Doug Hutchinson, and he, not super recently, but like within the past decade, got a little bit famous. It, again, if he was ever famous, because he married a 16-year-old named Courtney Stodden, who is, who is now kind of like a celebrity, um, because they promoted their relationship a lot. And so they both kind of got famous because he was, ama- I, I don't know how old he is, but he's old. And he married a 16-year-old. Um, so he's a f- say, I've never heard of any of this. <laughs> really? Oh. Yeah. You gotta, well, you don't have to look it up. But, I oh, mean, Courtney Sodden was a pretty famous person in the tabloids for a while because of this. And so he, I just feel like he was cast well because he was very scary in this episode and obviously very creepy in real life. Yeah, it it wasn't a stretch for him, I guess, this this role. This all this all fit his his whole vibe, I bet. I agree. Yeah. He's a scary guy. I don't like him. Um hope he's never been in any other role, but I will <laughs> accept him in this job because Yeah, because it makes sense. Yeah. Because it makes sense to you. Yeah. I do wanna note that there is a moment and it's very brief. But there's a moment in this episode where Mulder is wrong. There just is? For a minute. Just for a minute. <gasps> no and way. And I'm only noting this because we've been talking about how Mulder's always right. And so from now on, I'm going to note any time that he is wrong, even if it's about the smallest thing, which this is. So in this episode, after they've kind of, you know, figured out their profile for this guy, which at this point Mulder has found the really long fingerprint. He has connected it to the previous cases. And so he thinks that he knows this this guy really well. I also do love when the other agent is like making sure that this is his case and Mulder's like, well, it was an X-File first. <laughs> like from 60 years ago. But he, um, and then so Scully does her profile of you know, she thinks it's just, like, a serial killer who's, like, a young man and, like, either is a maintenance worker, blah, 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 blah. So she's, like, serial killers, if they don't get their, like, next kill figured out right away, they want to relive the high. So they might go back to the place that they last killed. So She goes and is looking for him. She's on her stakeout. And Mulder's there, but he's, like, no, he wouldn't come back here. He's done with this place. And that's the moment when Mulder is wrong. He was wrong. I do feel like you skipped over an important moment here. Not that important, but 
in that scene where they're in the parking lot, Scully pulls a gun on Mulder oh, by accident because yeah. she's just, she thinks it's the murderer and she just has her gun out ready to go and nearly yeah. shoots him. And Mulder is unfazed. He is not yeah. afraid. No, he isn't. But he's like, you wouldn't shoot an unarmed man, would you, copper? That's when I'll never, that line lives on a constant loop in my head. <laughs> And, um, no, I don't think that she would. <laughs> mm -mm. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, she is correct because only minutes later they find him in the parking lot crawling down yeah. a big vent. Yep. Mm -hmm. A little weird. A little questionable. Bring him in mm -hmm. for questioning. Because they've at this point agreed that they're going to do their two separate investigations where... Scully's gonna like kind of work with Mulder but also kind of help out this other douchebag and his friends who just constantly in all their briefings all their meetings just make fun of Mulder and I'm like well, you know what if you guys think you're right then just go with that like leave him alone let him think his spooky little shit they're also very unimaginative in the way they make fun of him which is sometimes yeah. true of bullies just in general they're not very creative but the only way they make fun of him is just constantly calling him spooky. That's, that's, it. that's it. That's all they got. Which has just never really felt like an insult to me. No. But I like I the guess word it spooky. Really, I guess it really was for him. Because, I mean, he was an FBI agent who wanted to be <laughs> seriously. But I, I don't know. I, I don't think spooky is, is negative. I agree. He does seem kind of sad about it one of the times they call him he does. spooky. I do love in this episode when, um, you know, Scully is trying to very kindly explain why they don't necessarily want him involved. And I know really exactly what you're going to say. And then he looks at her and he's like, do you think I'm spooky? Uh, such a soft, sweet voice when he says it. It's very endearing. Because it's almost like, it's like he doesn't want her to think it, but like he does a little. Yeah, he, this is another moment where, again, I'm just like, yeah, I'm seconds away from falling in love <laughs> with David Duchovny, for sure. Yeah. And some other moments um, in this episode when this happens is when he's wearing his glasses. Oh. And also when they're in the parking lot in that scene, he's wearing jeans, I think for the first time, maybe. I was... <laughs> Waiting, I was not gonna mention, I was not gonna say it, but Mulder in jeans is it's like a whole new Mulder, it's like a whole different casual Friday Mulder. Yeah, it's like obviously he looks great all the time, but you're just like, Yeah, uh, he's on work, he's in a suit, blah blah blah. I think it's like the opposite effect of like in other circumstances where like you always see someone in casual clothes and then they wear like a suit or something fancy you're like oh wow but you're like it's like the opposite you're like mm -hmm. look how chill he looks mm -hmm. yeah he looked good in those jeans I appreciated that the jeans the glasses just I I can't wait until the day you see shirtless molder um because that might be the thing that just tips you right right over the edge mm. I didn't know that was coming but I'm pleased to hear that it is I mean, you think that we get Scully in her underwear in episode one and in 11 seasons, we don't get any shirtless molders? 
I don't know. You know, the way that men are portrayed on TV shows and movies is very different than the way that women are. So I, it could be possible, but I'm glad to hear that it's not. It's not. <laughs> I do want to go back to talking about the polygraph test that they put this oh, murderer yeah. through once they have caught him. Um, they're asking him a bunch of questions, a bunch of like typical questions you would expect them to ask, which is like, did you murder these people? Like, were you here on this day? <laughs> and then out of nowhere, they say, are you 100 years old? <laughs> and the FBI agents who are watching are like, oh, that must be a control question. And Mulder's like, no, I made them ask it. <laughs> and you know what? He proved his point. He proved it to himself because, yeah, that's the only question where the guy had like a spike on the polygraph test. He passed the rest of it, except for that one. But the FBI agents don't care. They're like, oh, they yeah, care. I would be thrown off by that question too. It's, it makes sense. But, believe it or not, he is probably close to 100 years old. Mm -hmm. That's what it seems like, which I guess would put him at like, being born, born, I guess. I don't, I don't know how he was created, but like 1903, apparently. Right, right. And so then, by the Maybe 30s, we, oh, yeah, that's when he, he starts killing. He's like an adult starts and killing. he starts killing. Yeah. Um, maybe we could talk about the explanation of his origin that they give, because I am a little unclear on it, but only because they don't explain it a lot. Mulder and Scully go to visit this guy, this old guy, who I think is in a, in a nursing home, who had a run-in with the murderer 30 years yeah. beforehand. I think he was a cop and was investigating. He was. Yeah, he was a detective, and this was the case that, like, broke him. <laughs> yeah. And he kind of talks about um, this beginning in the 30s, and knowing that it began in the 30s and he mentioned something about death camps in Bosnia being like so evil that they created this humanoid monster right but they don't even try to explain in what way that happened like was he was he a person who was going to be killed at the death camps or was he one of the people who was was doing the murdering at the death camps how, how did that make him immortal I don't yeah. know it, that I follow. <laughs> I don't I don't know that I can help you with that. Um I just I think that <laughs> well the explanation doesn't make any sense. <laughs> it's like all I can really say. It's not clear if he was at the camp or if he was a guard at the camp or if they just, like, created him from other, like, human genes. Like, I, I guess we don't know what type of science that they had access to at this point, but they were doing a lot of experiments. And according to this guy, this is one of them. And he's still here. Yeah. And so they talk about these death camps very briefly, but again, at the end of the episode, when the guy, the old guy, 
the old cop is in his room and he's reading the newspaper and he reads the newspaper that this guy has been caught the the headline on the newspaper that he's reading as he's flipping through it says it's the title of the article is the consequence of ethnic cleansing is what he's reading about in the newspaper in 1993 which just felt like okay this this episode's trying to do a light um just a light message that ethnic cleansing and death camps are bad (laughs) yeah they're like we're just gonna like slip it in in like the newspaper that like maybe everyone won't notice but hopefully they do (laughs) Mm -hmm. it's just it's a very sly casual mention but I also it, it seems like a reach in the way that they've connected that because like it is is he the consequence of it because he seems to be his own I guess he is I guess he is because if they supposedly created this thing yeah you're not gonna want to create death camps because you might create a humanoid monster out of it who's going to yeah, kill five people every 30 that's years. That's the, that's the consequence of ethnic cleansing is five people every 30 years. <laughs> that, I mean, it could, it could be worse. <laughs> there, are other con- there are other consequences of ethnic cleansing, I think. <laughs> Potentially. Now, I have I have a question, and I and I hope that it's not a stupid one. But is this, um, you know, the camps in Bosnia that they're referencing? Is this supposed to be connected to Nazis, or is this a separate uh, occurrence of? Yeah, we're both gonna just make ourselves look stupid here. I don't know. I was wondering this also. Because he also mentions the year, like, 1945. Um, like, I think, like, being at the camps is when he is, he's at yeah. the camps at 1945. Um, which is around the time of World War II, like, the end of right. World War II. So, maybe, but I don't know for sure. Well, the, the reason that I bring this up is that if... If you've heard of this, um, which I do think you have, because I think we watched the episode of the MUFON files together, where there is a theory that the Nazis had communication with aliens, and that they were, I, I think it was in Antarctica, it was like a very weird uh, connection that I can't even fully explain, but they supposedly had been in contact with them, and they made it seem almost as though the aliens were aiding in the Nazis. Yeah, that is what, what that. Call it. Yeah, I know <laughs> what know episode what I mean? you're talking about. We did watch it, um, and it was certainly proposing that the aliens might have also been pro-Nazi, and I guess are Nazis. Um, <laughs> But so, they, didn't, they didn't know. Maybe they didn't know what was going on, you know? They're supposed to be more intelligent <laughs> than us. I think they knew what was going well, on. Well, because the reason that I'm just trying to connect the two, because I do think that 
that would, to me, help explain why this guy is potentially partially this weird humanoid thing that, like, is maybe connected to aliens in the, like, needing the liver in order, you know, to not be iron deficient, like, that whole thing. That would connect it for me, is, like, why these experiments created this guy. It's not a bad theory. (laughs) I think that it's possible. I just don't think that the show wants us to know because it, we don't even know that he is a result of experiments like they don't even make that clear and maybe it's just that they felt like the nazi alien connection was too far to go in a network right. show they which i would understand that, yeah they didn't know that years later the mufon files would be released and, yeah. and they, that we would be here watching both simultaneously and being like, we see you, we will yeah. connect these theories further, and we will put it online for everyone to hear. Shout out to MUFON. Um, we love you, MUFON. <laughs> we really do. Connected to... I really want to on that, I'm sorry. <laughs> no problem. I, that's what we're here for. But I did want to say connected to newspaper clippings. <laughs> yes. You know what I'm talking about because I sent you a, a photo of this so that you would know what I'm talking about. I, the very beginning of this episode, um, the cold open of this episode is the first murder taking place. And it's a guy in an office and he's just like walking around his office and he's like getting coffee or like water or something. And there's a, um, a board up against the wall that has a bunch of things pinned to it. And one of the things pinned to it is a cutout of not a full article, just a headline of an article. And the headline of the article that's cut up, cut cut up and hung in this workplace is fat lady on toilet crashes through floor. <laughs> and I just have a lot of questions about why that's hung up in this office. I think it's even, (laughs) it's just so funny to hear it read out loud, but it's also, and maybe I just don't remember, but like, do we know what this guy does? No, I don't think so, because I was wondering (laughs) that too. I was like, is he a reporter? Is he a reporter at like a tabloid? But I don't think so. My first thought is that, or (laughs) did he know her? (laughs) (laughs) He knew the fat lady that crashed through (laughs) the... I can't think of any other reasons why he would have this. And I guess just to expand further, this isn't a board filled with newspaper clippings. (laughs) There are other things on this board that are just normal things, and this is the only newspaper clipping. Maybe he just also thought it was funny. I guess so. I guess. Um, but I don't like it. But and also I, at his job? He shouldn't have it at his job if he just thinks it's funny. Yeah, and I don't even think that this was specifically in his office. This was in, like, a common area mm. of the workplace. So anybody could have hung it up <laughs> and, I guess, been like, everybody's going to really enjoy this one. <laughs> Maybe every week there's, like, a new funny newspaper headline. Yeah. I... <laughs> I'd love to know, like, 
who was the set designer on this because they put that there. There was, this a, was yeah. This was a production choice. They made a choice to include that in a very visible way. Though I don't know how many other people picked up on on that when watching this. So yeah, that's true, and that's probably something that will become clear as we go through this. Is that one of my favorite things to do when I'm watching something is read things in the background that clearly the set designers and production crew didn't think people would actually read. I love doing it, so I hope there's more things like this that I can find. I'm sure there will be, and I'm sure most of them I haven't noticed. <laughs> so I greatly appreciate your, uh, your eye on this. Yeah, I'll keep an eye out for more. Now, I want to I wanna just jump back into some, some plot here when um, they're searching for tombs. And they're in some part of a building. I guess they're in an, like an abandoned apartment and then they find that there's like a, a part that's like a tunnel that's covered up. And essentially like there's a nest mm -hmm. down there that he lives in. But like it's just the nest and then like the souvenirs from his kills. And that <laughs> I don't know why those two things because like the things he takes are like sometimes nice like he steals Scully's necklace just yeah. moments after that but he lives in a nest <laughs> well he hibernates there you're right he, he hibernates right. that's for where he sleeps years. for 30 years so I I just want to be clear about what this guy's life is his life yeah. is that he hibernates for 30 years he wakes up with enough time to kill and eat five livers. And then he <laughs> hibernates for another 30 years. That's all his life is, is sleeping for 30 years, eating five livers, sleeping for another 30 years. And my question to you is, would you be immortal if that was the deal? <laughs> is immortality worth that life? Um... I don't, I don't think, well, I don't think I would want to be immortal <laughs> in general. That is not something that I crave. Um, I don't want uh, this to last forever. Uh, <laughs> I'm not like, you know, counting down the days until the sweet release of death, but like, I, I, I don't see the appeal of continuing to live um, indefinitely. And I would absolutely not be persuaded into that by, well, get this. You could sleep. <laughs> Actually, you know what? I might have to change my answer. If I was offered that I could sleep <laughs> 30 years at a time, I might take it. The murdering and the liver eating is it's not super appealing to me. Yeah, and his life when he's awake must always be such an adjustment because he's sleeping for 30 oh, years yeah. and then having to like figure out what's going on in the world and how he can like exist in the world while he eats these livers. That's got to be hard. He's going to have a really, really rude awakening in 2023. Yeah, he, it's going to be really wild out here for him. <laughs> 
he is not gonna know what to expect. <laughs> Jeez, from the 30s to the 60s, from the 60s to the 90s, it's a lot of change. But I mean, I guess it, he's got the eye on the prize. Like, as long as there are people with livers and, and nothing else really affects him, you know? Yeah, he just wants to eat those livers and go to sleep, and that's it. And he's happy with that, I guess. I mean, I guess I mean we don't we really don't explore the the happiness of of this man. Um, that's true. That's not a, <laughs> that's not a question that we're he, asking him. He seems to be okay with it. He seems to have accepted because you would assume at any point he could kill himself. <laughs> like, sure, no, that's certainly always an option. He could do that. Or maybe he doesn't know about that. <laughs> maybe not. He just knows how to kill others. But, I, I, yeah, I mean, this is just the deal for him. I do, I do wonder, did someone spell this out for him at one point, or did he just figure out that this is what his life is going to be? Like, wh wh why? Right, like, how does he know five livers is the trick? Or livers at five. all? Did it take some, did he have to eat a lot of things to figure out what works? Right. Or was he just immediately like, okay, livers is it. And when he eats five of them, he's just like, oh, I'm tired. I'm going to go to sleep now. And he probably didn't know the first time that he was going to be asleep for 30 years. So that, oh, I assume, yeah. was probably a surprise to him. Yeah, then he just woke up and it was... 1963. <laughs> the, 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 the thing is that when anything is immortal, there seems to be some negative deal that comes along with it. Like, yeah. I think to me, the concept of being a vampire is worse. In what way is that worse? It's less sleeping. <laughs> You're really alive for more of yeah. your life. You have, yeah. to, you have to experience a lot more of it. Yeah, I, I get that. But it's only at night, though. You don't have to be awake during the day. So you have to interact with less people. That's, that's a good point. <laughs> when this guy... So what happens is that he chooses Scully as his next, his next victim. Um, yeah, of course, who wouldn't want her liver? <laughs> so he shows up to her house. And first of all, she's like running a bath, um, getting ready to get undressed. So she's like very vulnerable in this moment. Yeah. And he, we first see him outside of her window and her window's kind of like, um, I forget what the word is it, but we can't see him clearly. And when he, his body is shown behind the window, I honestly thought at first that he was naked and that he was, for some reason, going to attack her naked when he hasn't done that before. That ends up not being the case. He's wearing yeah. a flesh-colored t-shirt is what happens, and that's, I guess, why he looked to be naked. Um, but when he goes to attack her, he just, like, pulls his hand back and is, like, ready to, like, just put his hand just gonna grab the liver. He's just gonna put his hand in her body and grab her liver. Yeah. 
-hmm. no knife needed, no kind of nothing. He's just gonna, which was very unsettling to me. The idea of someone just like sticking their hand in me so hard, they can grab my liver. Yeah. I feel like they don't, they don't really show his, his hands. And I, I feel like his hands, like based on the fingerprints that we find, which are like really elongated, like they must extend and like maybe have a claw-like feature. Maybe. They don't really, you know, show that, but that's just how, you can't just stick like a human hand, I think no matter how strong you are through the flesh of another body. Um, I would need to think that that is possible. It would have to take a humanoid creature from a Bosnian death camp, mm -hmm. <laughs> potentially created by Nazis and aliens, in order to do this. And let's talk about his fingerprint really quickly. <laughs> yeah, let's really get into that. Because, so first of all, they pull a fingerprint from the scene of the first murder before they find this guy, and it's a very long fingerprint. It's very like not long. a normal finger, clearly. And then when they catch this guy, they take his fingerprint, and it's like a normal size at the time that they take it. And then later, Scully and Mulder are at their computer comparing them, and we got this long fingerprint, and we got this normal size fingerprint. Mm -hmm. And Mulder is like, look at them. They're not a match. It must not be him. But then he photoshops the normal size fingerprint to be longer in a way that, like, anyone could do with, like, a normal, now a normal editing um, right. system. He photoshops the fingerprint to be longer, and suddenly it's a 100% match. Well, you have to elongate the lines in order for them to match. <laughs> and I don't think that it would happen if it was another person's fingerprint. No, probably not. I guess just the concept of... <laughs> All he had to the, do was stretch it out. <laughs> yeah, the computer not being smart enough to do it. say they were a match until he just, like, lengthened the finger a little bit. Yeah. was very funny to me. Because Mulder is right. Not the computer. No, Mulder. Mulder. Yeah, the computer <laughs> didn't know. The computer's an idiot, but Mulder knew. The computer would be nothing without Mulder. So I want to know your thoughts on the ending. Okay. Um, once, once he's so, in, in prison. Yeah, he's in prison, and they bring, is what you're talking about, he's in prison and a guard brings him food and slips it through mm -hmm. a tiny hole. Mm -hmm. And then suddenly we're like in the, in the um, jail room with him and he's looking at the hole and clearly eyeing it as a way to get out. That like, he's going to be he able to squeeze himself through that tiny hole and escape. That's how he gets around. Which, how he got into all those places to murder people. Yeah, it's definitely leaving it open. I think that the end of this episode is suggesting this dude's gonna escape. That's my reading of the end. Did you have a... Okay. No, yeah. I just, um... I just wanted to hear you say it. <laughs> Make sure I agreed. Make sure that I understood. Is yeah. Really I just... <laughs> the, big, the big thing that we need to always be checking. 
yeah, just make sure that that you understood. Like, I know you're always going to catch the newspaper articles in the background, but I don't know if you're going to catch the major plot points. <laughs> yeah, and that's a fair worry, but I do think in this episode I got it. Yeah, they, this one was pretty clear. Most of, most, the only thing that wasn't clear was the Boston death camps. <laughs> Everything else was like pretty, you know, what didn't, didn't take a lot of extra thought. Didn't take three rewatches. Right. So we're supposed to assume that 2023, which is coming up, this dude's loose. So he's definitely coming yeah. back. Also, at the time that Mulder says, I think he's like talking about like, we can't, if, if he kills again and he eats the liver and he hibernates for 30 years, we're gonna like lose this because we can't wait until 2023. Right. And at that time, he's like, in 2023, Scully, you're gonna be the head of the bureau, which is very nice of him to say. And he's <laughs> yeah. like very serious about it. Um, so it's kind of like another uh, way the show is showing that he's like already in love with her and they're in love with each other but That's I also it really all comes back to <laughs> yeah I also don't know that it's necessarily true I mean I do believe Scully is capable of being the head of the bureau but also right now she's in the shit department that they don't like <laughs> and they want to end so I think she's got she has a long way to go before she's just so she gets smart there. maybe maybe if she debunks this that's, you know, immediate promotion. Yeah. She just she needs to prove herself so that she doesn't become the head of the Bureau that wants everyone on the X-Files. <laughs> that would be great, though, if that's, as we were talking about in episode one, we do yeah. want to defund the FBI except for mm -hmm. the X-Files. So if yeah, Scully were to become the head of the FBI and make the FBI only the X-Files, that would be yeah. ideal. And I assume Scully as the head of the FBI can't do that. I'm sure she would have that power. Oh yeah. Easy. Easy peasy. No one would, nobody would be against it. The head of the FBI gets to do whatever the head of the FBI wants, I assume. <laughs> <laughs> I guess what I'm feeling right now about the show which I'm assuming is maybe not always true but it just seems like every episode is very self-contained and the things that they that happen in that episode don't follow through to the next episode like for instance in episode two Mulder got his mind erased by the military <laughs> but in this episode there's no mention of that he's not like emotionally dealing with that um, there's no like PTSD from that. It's just, that's not even mentioned. So it does feel like every episode is very self-contained, um, and there's not a lot of like continuing plot lines. So I'm interested, I'm interested in seeing if that ever changes. Well, would you like an answer or would you not like an answer? Um, I think I've kind of already, I've already, I think I've already given you an answer. Yeah. Which is, is not necessarily that it changed like this that continues to be a common theme but there is a like mythology to the show that is explored more but there's still it even while that's happening there are still episodes that don't connect um to that okay 
That definitely seems to be like a way that television used to operate that it maybe doesn't operate right. anymore. I think that now that we have like smaller seasons of fewer episodes, right. they don't really draw things out as much. Yeah, no, they had 24 episodes and they were like, well, do whatever, <laughs> do whatever it takes to fill them out. But that's how we got things like Monster of the Week. And that's why we have so many incredible monsters on this show. Hey, we did it. Congratulations. We did. Sounds, we like, sounds <laughs> like it's time again. <laughs> time to congratulate us again. We congratulate ourselves at the start of every episode, but also at the end of every episode, because I think that both are an accomplishment. Not only did we start doing it, but we actually but, finished doing it. We did it. I feel like the more we do, like just the more this pride is going to grow. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, but thank you and congratulations. If you listened to all of this episode, I think you yes. deserve congratulations. From us and from yourself. Yeah, really pat yourself on the back. Um, and really just like walk around and tell everybody that you're proud of yourself. To take us out, as always, I will say, hey aliens, you know, if you're out there, uh, why don't you come get us? Because we're pretty scared. <laughs>